Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning. My name is Mike, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to the Sandstorm Gold conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. Please be aware that some of the commentary may contain forward-looking statements. There can be no assurance that forward-looking statements will prove to be accurate as actual results and future events could differ materially from those anticipated in such statements. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you'd like to ask a question during this time, simply press star, then the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, press the panel key. Thank you. Mr. Watson, you may begin your conference. Thank you. Good morning, everyone, and thank you for calling into this third quarter earnings call for 2020. This morning, Irfan, our CFO, is going to walk us through the Q3 results, and Dave Warren will provide a brief update on our asset base, and then, as usual, we'll turn it over to the operator for a question and answer period. If anyone has questions that don't need to be part of the live Q&A, you can ask those through the web portal, and we'll make sure we get back to uh, each question, and they'll get a direct response from us after this call. Before handing it over to Irfan, I want to provide a brief update on how our Q3 sales were affected by COVID and what we're expecting based on what we're seeing for Q4. I'd also like to take the time to provide a couple of updates, including about our expiring warrants, hot modern timing, and our deal pipeline, including the elephant in the room, which is the leaked deal information for a transaction that has not actually occurred. At this time, we'll begin going through a prepared PowerPoint presentation on the web portal, so if you're able to, please turn your attention there now. So, starting with an update about how our Q3 results were affected by COVID, during Q2, nearly half of our producing assets were affected, including but not limited to Santa Elena, Ferta del Norte, et cetera, and they were all shut down for most of the quarter. During last quarter's earnings call, I outlined how these mine shutdowns would also affect our Q3 numbers, despite all of these mines being back up and running during Q3. The main issue relates to how we recognize revenue for our streams, as we do not recognize the sales until we have actually received the gold from our counterparties and have actually sold it. In most cases, we're delivered gold in the month following the actual production. However, in the case of streams like Saramoro, we are delivered silver once per quarter only, meaning that our Q3 ounces from Saramoro reflect what was actually produced in Q2. And as Saramoro operated at a reduced rate in Q2, it resulted in fewer ounces being received and sold by Sandstorm during the third quarter. The good news is that we expect to be back to record revenue and record cash flow in this fourth quarter. With respect to other brief updates I'd like to provide I'll start with the soon-to-be-expiring warrants. There are still a couple of million warrants that are outstanding and will be expiring this coming Tuesday, November 3rd, after which point Sandstorm will no longer have any outstanding warrants in its capital structure, and we are very pleased that Sandstorm will be 100% free of any warrant overhang going forward, which will be the first time in our 11-year history that we'll have no outstanding warrants. And candidly, I'm very excited about that. It's worth noting that these warrants, if not exercised, will fully expire next week. For those people who have them in their accounts, 
you will not be eligible for an extension, so you will need to exercise those warrants immediately or that value will be lost to you entirely. Last quarter on our future earnings call, I provided a brief status update on Hotmodern and stated that it was likely that the start date would get pushed back into 2023. And shortly thereafter, we put out a press release updating our official guidance for a 2023 start update. The primary reason for these timeline changes are due to various delays uh, that have been occurring because of COVID combined with various longer lead time items that have been identified during the completion of the feasibility study, which we're hoping will be completed by the end of the first quarter of 2021, or Q2 at the latest. And as I mentioned before, we're pleased with how our partner, Lady Maiden Chillick, is pushing the asset forward as quickly as possible towards production. And we look forward to this incredible asset beginning to provide us gold soon. You can see from this slide that the next six to nine months are very important for this project. We're hoping that in this time period, not only will the feasibility study be complete, but also that the EIA will be fully applied for and hopefully granted. This will be a big milestone for the project as it is fast-tracked towards production. Moving on to the status of our deal pipeline, last quarter I mentioned that as base metal prices have rebounded from their prior COVID lows, that there were a number of base metal companies that have been looking at selling streams that no longer appear to require financing in this environment. And it appears that this continues to be true. Although we are still working on a number of transactions, it is clear that for larger deals, the motivation to complete stream deals by our counterparties has decreased on average. As always, our team is working hard behind the scenes to find intelligent and attractive acquisitions, and we will continue to endeavor to do so. However, we will not rush ourselves into acquisitions to grow for the sake of growing. We've learned over the years that being methodical and patient is what pays off for our shareholders in the long run. From this available capital slide, you can see the substantial resources that Sandstorm has at its disposal to grow the company. Only nine months ago, Sandstorm had $45 million of debt owing to banks and almost no cash. Today, Sandstorm is debt-free and has over $75 million in cash, nearly $70 million in non-core securities that we can sell, and $300 million in available credit. By early next year, we therefore expect to have access to nearly half a billion dollars with which to grow our company, which is more available capital than Sandstorm has ever had in the history of the company. Also, to address the elephant in the room, as many of you may be aware, a number of weeks ago, another company mistakenly made public information about a conceptual precious metal stream acquisition that involved Sandstorm, causing us to have to put out a press release clarifying that no such transaction had been completed and that no assurances existed that the transaction would be completed ever. This statement continues to be true. We've been asked by a number of investors if we would put out press releases if the deal were to officially die. And the answer is no. <laughs> we don't put out press releases for deals that we never announced in the first place and for which we won't be completing. I believe it is reasonable for investors to assume that although this specific transaction might not be completed, that eventually and over time, our management team will find intelligent transactions that make Sandstorm an even better investment for shareholders. And I can assure investors that we're working very hard behind the scenes to continually improve this company and move it forward. I personally am very bullish on precious metals over the next 10 plus years. Sandstorm is well positioned based on our existing portfolio of assets to profit from this. But we're working hard to get even more precious metals exposure. And I believe that our balance sheet is well positioned with no debt 
and substantial cash to make further acquisitions going forward. With that, I'll hand it over to Irvin. Thank you, Nolan. I'd like to take some time now to highlight a few key points from the third quarter financial. Well, I think a general theme for 2020 has been uncertainty. Sandstorm's third quarter results show a positive trend that is hopefully indicative of the mining industry returning to some sense normal. The big news in the mining industry this year has been the continued rise in the price of gold. The chart on the right of this slide shows the Sandstorm average realized gold price for the third quarter was $1,928 per a trivial ounce. That's a 12% increase compared to the second quarter of 2020 and nearly a 30% increase since the third quarter last year. In the chart on the left, you can see that the increase in gold price resulted in higher revenue for the third quarter at $23 million, despite decreases in gold attributable ounces sold over the last three quarters. This is a good demonstration of the exposure to the gold price that lies within Sandstone's portfolio of royalty assets. The rising gold price has had other positive effects on the company's financials, and I'll highlight a few here on this next slide. Sandstrom sold approximately 12,000 attributable gold equivalent ounces in the third quarter, down from 17,000 ounces from the previous quarter in the previous year. The decrease was partly due to the lingering effects of the restrictions related to the pandemic, which I will discuss in a bit. As I mentioned, at an average realized gold price of $1,928 per true ounce, total revenue for the third quarter was $23.3 million. The average cost for Sandstrom to sell each attributable ounce remained very low for the quarter, averaging $258 per attributable ounce. This low cash cost combined with the higher gold price resulted in strong cash operating margins of $1,670 per attributable ounce. In fact, this was a new record for the company. Cash flows from operating activities was also strong at $18.1 million, resulting in $6.5 million of net income for the quarter, up slightly from the same period in 2019. The next slide shows a breakdown of gold retrieval ounces sold from Sandstorm's producing assets. As we've discussed, overall production continued to be affected by various operational restrictions implemented because of COVID-19. While all of the effective operations in Sandstorm's portfolio were back online in some capacity by the end of the second quarter, several months continued to ramp up operations throughout the third quarter. Another important factor to note is the delay in the realized production from several mines. And as Nolan just mentioned, um, Ceremoro is no exception. So when you look at silver delivery from Ceremoro, identified here under the amount of silver stream, it provides a sandstorm at the beginning of each quarter. This means the tributal ounces sold in the current quarter are representative of assets production from the previous quarter. As such, the ounces received from Ceremoro in the third quarter represent the operational impact that actually occurred in the second quarter. Speaking of Ceremoro, although the number of silver ounces sold was down for the quarter by 47% compared to the previous year's quarter, the decrease was partially offset by the rising price of silver. Sandstorm realized an average price of $19.12 per silver ounce, up 27% when compared to the third quarter 
of 2019. The increase in silver price should correlate nicely with the return of Ceramoro's full production capacity in the coming quarters. While Santa Elena contributed the largest number of ounces of sandstorms production in the third quarter, the Santa Elena mine was also impacted by COVID-19 restrictions in the second quarter. This partly resulted in a 40% decrease in the trivial ounces sold compared to the same period in 2019. As with other operations impacted by the pandemic, Santa Elena continued to ramp up production throughout the third quarter. Their operator, First Majestic, announced in October that the mine saw a 100% increase in gold production compared to the previous quarter. I'm optimistic that this trend will continue and Sandstorm will see production return at uh, higher levels in the coming quarters. Another notable asset I'd like to highlight on this slide is Relief Canyon. Operator America's Gold and Silver announced first gold pour at Relief Canyon back in February. And as for the streaming agreement, fixed deliveries to Sandstorm began in May, making this the first full quarter where we received ounces from the stream. I guess in conclusion, I believe this quarter's financial res results represent a trend in the right direction. Even in times of uncertainty, the royalty business model continues to prove its resilience and strength. As Nolan mentioned earlier, Sandstorm is in a strong position with plenty of available capital to act quickly on new opportunities. And with rising commodity prices and operations returning to normal capacity, I believe Sandstorm shareholders have reason to be optimistic for the future. And with that, I'll turn it over to Dave for some specific asset updates. Great. Thank you, Erkan. So as summer has passed for the mining industry, we've begun to see the effect of more capital coming into the space for development and exploration within our entire industry. The portfolio in Sandstorm is no exception to that. Many companies have begun to formulate plans on further work and, as opposed to the years 2013 to 2019, capital is available to execute on those plans. Our portfolio of royalties and stream is seeing the benefit of this. The period we are in right now is what we wait for as a royalty company. Sandstorm has spent years patiently cultivating small pieces of good projects and accumulating packages of low-priced or no-priced optionality that are now seeing um, progress uh, happen rapidly. As a royalty company, we are valued based on our existing cash flow and near-term development. However, we still love the value of the more than 170 other royalties that have been sitting in the background that are now starting to get money spent on them and are beginning to graduate to higher and higher levels of development which we hope will eventually get to cash flow stage themselves. The true value of a great royalty purchase is seeing the projects progress to cash flow without spending that capital it takes to get that valuable progress. So with that introduction, I'll lead into a quick overview of Fruta del Norte and then speak about the entire portfolio in general. Since the restart of Fruta del Norte in Q3, great progress has been made with both exploration and development programs something that we have been eagerly anticipating since our for purchase of the fruit royalty in early 2019 is the prospect of exploration outside of the mine itself in the Suarez Polo Park Basin. This very prospective area has had virtually no exploration for 13 years, despite having many tantalizing exploration targets. Finally, Lundin Gold has received permits to 
drill the first target on the list of at least 10 within that Polar Park Basin. That project, project is Barbasco, a great geotechnical, or sorry, geochemical and geophysical target. 6,000 meters of drilling are planned in 2020. The strike length of this target alone is currently 3.8 kilometers long, and rock samples at the surface are grading up to 10.4 grams per ton, making this as large as a target as Fruta itself. In addition to the Greater Regional Exploration Program, Lunding continues to push expansion plans at the mine further. They had a great Q3 production number with over 94,000 ounces, beating almost all expectations, and now they are uh, speaking of speeding up previously announced expansions. Current nameplate capacity sits at 3,500 tons per day, but expansions up to four to 5,000 tons per day in operations are being studied with some of these increases of throughput potentially achievable as early as next year. Also, the inferred resources in the south zone of Fruta continue to get upgraded and potentially will be converted to reserves. Like our investment in Hyundai operated by Endeavor Mining, Lundin is pushing expansions as quickly as possible. This is what happens when you make investments in the best gold projects in the world. Next, I'd like to talk about slide 13 in the presentation. This is a little bit of, a da of data that I'm grateful that our team was able to put together. What you see is a quantitative assessment of the number of partnered projects that are receiving active exploration work in 2020. Each one of the bars represents percentage of assets that are receiving active exploration work. As I discussed in my introduction, we're really starting to see our portfolio projects receive a lot of investment. For producing assets, 67% of the projects are completing explorations. These are programs beyond the typical resource and reserve conversion and development work that is required uh, uh, on an annual basis. It's a variety of near mine and regional exploration programs taking place. Also, the bulk of development projects that we own royalties on are having additional work being completed, and that number is 71%. 65% of assets with existing resources that are in our advanced exploration category are receiving additional exploration work, and 34% of our projects in the early exploration uh, stage are getting work performed on them. Keep in mind that because most of these royalties were purchased in packages, the deemed cost of most is zero or near zero, but many are working this year with budgets of millions. The point is that as long as this cycle continues and exploration projects and junior developers continue to have access to capital, we will see many of these projects graduate to successively higher stages year over year. Eventually, many will start cash flowing without us having to spend a dollar on them. Although we have lots of capital to grow, purchasing cash flowing royalties and streams, Sandstorm has a great organic pipeline of projects that will add to our growth in the future. So with that, I'll pass over the call to Mike for Q&A. Please feel free to ask questions about any of our royalties and streams. As a reminder, to ask a question, you will need to press star one on your telephone. To withdraw your question, press the pound or hash key. Please stand by while we compile the Q&A roster. Your first question comes from Heiko Ely from HC Wainwright. Please go ahead. 
Hey, guys. Thanks for taking my questions. Good morning. Um, good morning. Uh, in, in regards to a, a little bit more broad-based question and a more specific one, in, in regards to your earlier stage projects and, and, and things that you're looking at, what are you seeing with operators wanting to move their projects forward at the present time and, and being willing to sell streams? Given that we have you know, a very strong gold price environment, obviously, which I assume, at least for them, is at least somewhat upset by the impact of COVID and the fairly low interest rates. I mean, folks want to get to build their minds, and I still think to this day that you provide a very good source of capital. Has anything there changed in regards to interest levels in the last, call it, 60, 90 days? So uh, in terms of really kind of uh, partners and potential deals that are out there, uh, for sure, gold prices are strong. There seems to be more equity available in, in the industry. But still, streaming and royalty capital going into projects is a very good form of capital. It's, it really is low risk. Um, you know, interest rates are low, but availability of debt is, is not as high, I think, as it has been in, in periods in the past. I think what we're seeing a lot is the single asset developers are looking together, put together packages, and honestly, those groups have been effectively orphaned by the capital markets um, for, for years. Uh, and so uh, there still is that ability to really kind of look in and uh, look at streams and royalties on those single asset developers. For your bigger companies, they, for sure, they have access to capital. Base metal companies, of course, too, um, although they're seeing uh, uh, some relief uh, in pricing and higher commodity prices than they saw at the beginning of this year, still, I think their ability to access debt is not as great as uh, I think the, the market would assume it is at this time. And there certainly are opportunities there. Um, but it is, uh, of course, a competitive landscape on that side. Um, it, there are transactions available to us. Uh, cash flowing ones, and there certainly are a lot of uh, assets and packages of royalties that uh, that are available. Uh, we are in a competing landscape, uh, but like Nolan talked about before earlier, we need to be patient. We need to make sure that we're allocating capital in the right way, and making the right choices for our shareholders, and, and we're absolutely willing to be patient. Fair enough. A good answer. Um, I went through your MD&A this morning, which has always has been quite extensive, and was uh, briefly reminded of the impairment that you had on Divic earlier this year, and more importantly, uh, the way that you broke down the, the impairment between mine life and the price of the diamonds. Purely out of curiosity, and again, I assume the answer is no, are there any other assets of yours where we might see an impairment in the next quarter or two? Um, I mean, gold prices are strong, silver pricing is pretty strong, but I, I figured I'd just, I'd just ask. Thank you. Yeah, great question. We, we go through a detailed impairment analysis every single quarter as part of our internal control processes. And so uh, if something hasn't been written down at this moment, it's not impaired. And I think that your, your point about gold prices being higher is uh, exactly right. Uh, I don't see anything in our gold portfolio right now that I see as a, a candidate for anything that would need to be written down. Divic was the only thing that was recent, and that's because the diamond market got hit really hard uh, because of COVID. So outside of that, um, I don't see anything material coming down the pipe. Wonderful. 
Stay safe, everybody. Be good. Take care. Bye-bye. Thank you. Your next question comes from Derek Ma from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Thank you. Two questions uh, from me. First, a general question as a result of the inadvertent disclosure of the potential transaction. Is there more of an appetite or eagerness amongst the players in the space to syndicate larger deals, particularly with Samsung as a partner? Yes. Uh, we've had a number of conversations with uh, various competitors, and I would say I have met personally with all of the CEOs in our streaming royalty industry, at least of material streaming royalty companies, and the vast majority of them are looking to syndicate transactions where besides the transaction is larger than they want to focus uh, that much risk on. And, and so although you haven't seen a lot of syndicated transactions actually get over the line yet, I expect it uh, will become a normal operating procedure for the streaming royalty space for large deals. That's good to hear and probably good news for Sandstorm. Uh, one more question. On Chapada, Lundin is obviously examining various expansion scenarios there. Have they reached out to Sandstorm in terms of a potential conversion of a copper stream to gold? And if so, or, or would that be something manageable? Is management is amenable to? That's uh, not something that we're having conversations on right now. Okay. Appreciate that. Thank you. Best of luck. Your next question comes from Hillary Shack from Canaccord. Please go ahead. Hi. So you mentioned that the Hod Madden feasibility is, is expected to be completed at the end of Q1. I'm just wondering, is there any change on how you plan on financing the project? Yeah, great question. Uh, no, we've been in contact with uh, Lydia Maiden Schiller, who's the one that make that decision in the end, and we're in contact with them regularly. And their current uh, plan for project financing is the exact same as it was two, three years ago. So it's nothing's changed there, which is still about 70% debt financing at the project level and about 30% uh, equity contribution by the partners. Okay, thank you. Your next question comes from John Tomazos from John Tomazos, Very Independent Research. Please go ahead. Thank you. I just want to congratulate you on the total assets to equity ratio of 1.01. I think that's the strongest I've ever seen for an operating company. There's no <laughs> deferred tax asset. There's no goodwill. It's real. Well done. Thank you. Um, as I look at the quarterly production, um, of course, there's the two new producing assets, and then there's Bachelor Lake and Ming, which are not producing, and some that maybe had a lower grade or tons, like Black Fox, as well as some assets where there was virus impact. How many ounces do you think you lost in the third quarter due to virus as opposed to depletion? Uh, I would say I can't pick an exact number, and I would be absolutely guessing, but I think what you'll see come through in the fourth quarter is more representative of what production would have been if no COVID. And, uh, you know, I think that would be an extra two or 3,000 ounces just from COVID. 
back of the envelope, uh, I was looking at five companies that reported this morning, 2.2 thousand ounces would be Patchwork Lake and Ming ending. And then there's something for uh, Black Fox or others that didn't produce well, or Diavik Diamonds, as opposed to the uh, net gain that you had from ounces, et cetera. Uh, when do you think uh, you'll be back to 16,000 ounces of production, and when do you think we'll be at a new higher threshold of, say, 20,000 ounces in a quarter? I think, although it's hard to predict exactly when we'll hit 16,000 ounces again, I wouldn't be surprised that uh, in a quarter next year. Um, depending on how things go with respect to hitting a new threshold of, say, 20,000 ounces a quarter or, say, 80,000 ounces a year, my personal belief is that that's going to happen after we make our next acquisition. Obviously, if we don't make a material acquisition, it'll be once Hot Mod is up and running in 2023, but it would surprise me if we don't make an acquisition of an asset that gets cash flowing before then. So I would say stay tuned for the next acquisition. And congratulations again on the balance sheet. I've been doing this too long. I can't remember anything better. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Our last that's... question. Yeah, thank you, operator. That's, uh, I hope everyone has a, a fantastic day, and thanks again for calling into this call. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. You may now disconnect. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.